Greetings, outcasts, freethinkers, narrative questioners, dot connectors, and genuinely open-minded and outright curious inhabitants of whatever realm we exist in at the moment. You are about to embark on another free first-hour episode of The Notes. If you find yourself wanting to dig deeper and have the desire to join the conversation during our monthly Melt meetups, you might want to consider becoming a monthly subscriber. For as little as three lousy Babylon hokey pokey tokens per month, you can have access to full-length, early, and exclusive episodes. Just visit patreon.com slash themeltpodcast or click the link in the episode notes to set the process in motion. It's simple, painless, and very well might make you feel tingly inside. So without further ado, please enjoy the show! This is Hunter Muse. And this is Chris Snipes. And you are listening to The Melt. Once one realizes that everything is interdependent and that all things, people, and situations are inextricably woven together, it's hard to not start seeing how things are connected and on how many levels. I think that any curious investigator on some innate level grasps interconnectedness. In a world that is being portrayed as increasingly fragmented, this still remains the case. Irregardless of whether or not we realize it, our thoughts and our actions affect those around us, which then affect those around them, and so on. This is what the ripple effect is. This is also the stuff that fuels a synchromystic as it clarifies the big blur that permeates all of existence. What I mean to imply by the big blur is the concept that there are no definitive boundaries between anything we can or cannot point a finger at. Any division that we perceive is an illusion, because even at the microscopic level, the molecules that seem to give us form aren't even touching. So, obviously the same would go for perceptions of other levels of what we call reality. Realizing this can free one up to come at things from a unique perspective that's not tethered to any particular narrative. One of my favorite synchromystics is today's guest, Michael Wan. He is the purveyor of Susquehanna Alchemy, where he conducts walking tours of the Susquehanna River, makes starboards, and does astrological charts. Michael starts off the conversation by going into the series of events that brought him to the present moment. There was a point in time I was putting out, or I was doing a lot of shows, a lot of podcasts, um, 
like that was part of my regular uh my regular routine maybe like one or two a week and this past year has been um has been different for me in many ways but certainly with the amount of shows i have been on i've still put out um some of my own content and some of the own sh- my own shows but i have not been on anyone else anyone outside of like my immediate circle of where i normally go so that being said that being said uh this today you know on the calendar year i <laughs> you know the calendar year is whatever it is but it's a, it's a thing and according to the calendar year, we're on December 31st as we're recording this. In fact, it's it's five o'clock East Coast time. That's where I am. I know you guys are, are central. <laughs> and so, you know, culturally speaking, like this is this is a key a key moment. You know, it's the it's the it's where the, the snake eats its tail. It's where the one cycle ends and the next cycle begins. So all that said, like I'm really um uh, the reason I wasn't on other shows is because I wanted to take a break from it, and now it's coming back. And mm. this this is really fitting for me, and I'm grateful. Uh, I'm grateful how this unfolded. We were supposed to speak about a week ago or two weeks ago, and that didn't work out. And how this came out is just perfect. And that's, Fantastic. That's a nice sort of um, uh, introduction to the preface I'm about to give, cool. which is like, that's how I like to navigate reality is um, one of the ways I try to get out of my own head is just by paying immense amount of attention to like timing and all those sort of things of the unfolding of life. So that said, I want to tell you, I want to tell you a, a, a three-part story of what this last week has been for me. And I think that's going to be a nice entrance way into where we're going to go tonight in our conversation. So you mentioned, you mentioned earlier when, I, before we started recording, I was, I was asking for, um, I was asking for uh, insight into your audience and the types of topics you guys discuss, just so I can, you know, so I can, uh, speak accordingly and your answer to me chris was you said well you know emily moyer's been on the show and i'm like okay that's all i need (laughs) and the reason i say that and and as you know and maybe the listeners don't know but emily and i have been doing a regular show for i don't know like two years now so that's where the story begins so um Emily, we we slow down our regular weekly program and now we record once a month. And that began right around the Thanksgiving time period was was the last time when we were doing the weekly call. And just last week was the first time we reconnected since that conversation. It's the longest time that we've we've kind of like been apart from conversation. And she gave me some homework. Emily gave me homework the last time that we spoke in November. And she said to me, she said, I want you to watch this show, Dark. It's a Netflix oh, show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I purposefully um, limit, uh, almost like completely cut out any sort of like a, a cultural, cultural um, chaos in my mind. Mm-hmm. So I'm thoughtful about the shows, which I watch. I hadn't watched a show for a long time. I'm like, okay. And, and, and I watched it. I watched dark for Emily. I didn't watch the whole season or three seasons of it, but I mm-hmm. watched two, the first two episodes from season one. 
And the reason why I want to bring this up or the reason why it's important and the reason why Emily suggested that I watch it and and just in case listeners aren't familiar with with mine and Emily's show, we like to talk a lot about the idea of like time travel and the nature of reality and, and just those sort of things. So Dark is a show that deals with those topics. It's a topic of timelines and like all these sort of different things. And the reason why she wanted me to watch it was right at the end of episode two of season one. And it's a German show. It's dubbed over in English, Mm -hmm. but they're also embedded within within uh, it are English subtitles. Mm -hmm. And right at the end of of episode two, a boy who's missing, whose name is Michael, it says it says his name. So you see that in the subtitle mm-hmm. or in the, in the subtitles they include. And then the the character writes down a German word and he writes down the word uh, for when, which is Juan, W-A-N-N. Wow. So my name, my full name, Michael Juan, like appears on the show. It's like it's like kind of like time <laughs> travel character. Right. So it's like, you know, you take you, you take whatever that you, you meaning into that. Like I, I, I I note that, but I don't want to go too deep into that. But so I'm like, okay, so that happened. So that that that's that's story number one. So that's that began last week. So story number two. Um, where to go with this? So, um, the very first of my uh, of the last name Juan. If if um, I were to follow that ancestry.com history, you mm-hmm. know, what's told to us in ancestry.com, like however real that is, like, you know, that's what it is. If I follow that back, um, you can go and see the first one of my DNA lineage that arrived in the new world came uh, in the 1750s to this um, to Berks County, Pennsylvania. And I live in Pennsylvania. I live in it now. I, I wasn't born and raised in Pennsylvania, but I've been here for about 15 years. But I'm not from Berks County. Like I'm familiar with Berks County as a concept, but mm-hmm. like I'm not familiar with it as like an actual place. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so so I know that. And there had been a bunch of, of um, serendipitous happenings in my life. And this past year has been a real interesting year. And these the serendipitous happenings coalesce to a point last week where I moved out of where I've been staying since May and I was moving into this this new home which you know just kind of like fell into my lap and this new home was built in the 1700s I didn't know this like the first time I went there I went there kind of on a dinner party this was maybe in early December and the homeowner said he's like oh this house was built in the 1700s i was like wow i never would have guessed that talking about that and it occurred to me it occurred to me that my family this is the first time i had been in berks county for some time or definitely in for a dinner party and i'm like huh i know that my family like you know is from berks county i'm like i wonder i just wonder like how close you know could i find that information like how close was my my ancestral line my 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 grandfather to the eighth power. How close was he to this location? And so it was pretty easy to find. I, I went on Ancestry.com and they had uh, marriage and death records and both the mari- uh, both his marriage, so to my grandmother to the eighth power and his his burial took place in this town called Amityville, Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. which turns out to be less than five miles from this house, which then it turns out that um, I'm going to move into this house. 
And so I'm like, okay, that's kind of strange. But where it gets even stranger is the signing of the lease was December 27th. And in the Ancestry.com information that was that was shared, it says like the 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 marriage date. And the marriage date was December 27th, 1766. Wow. So I'm like, okay, so I just so happened the serendipitous unfolding of of you know my my life that I'm like in the same place. I'm in the same place, like literal geographical place, like less than five miles is like, you know, where, where the, the lineage, which eventually birthed me, you know, and Michael, when that was the question, which, which Emily was yes. asking for dark. So like that comes into play. So that was like two days after watching dark. So, so we're starting to build, we're starting to build something. So I'm just like watching this. I'm watching it from the sidelines. Mm-hmm. And when I say watch it in, I mean, my life. And I am back at the place where I am, or I was staying. I've I've since moved out of there and was maybe my second to last day. And I had a wonderful time there. And it was at a place in Southern Lancaster County called Gnome Countryside. I was the nomad in residence. That was my, my official title. And it's in a very rural part of Lancaster County. In fact, it's surrounded by Amish farms and the road to get to Nome Countryside is actually like a, a connecting road, but it's it's uh, um, it's unpaved to give you an idea of how frequently it is used. And I like to sit on that road and just, you know, I, it's for a variety of reasons. But one of the things I like to notice are the, is the traffic that goes by. It's typically just like locals and often it's it's Amish on the buggies. And it's mm-hmm. just kind of like, you know, it's a thing I like to do. So two days ago, after the Michael Wen, after like, you know, the being in the same place on the 256th anniversary of 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 my lineages uh, beginning in the new world. um, I hear this car, I hear this car coming up the coming up the road and I'm sitting I'm sitting right by the side of it on this little stoop. And the car, it's probably like a, if I were to guess, like a mid 80s Jeep Cherokee when they still used to have the real boxy designs, but it's in mm-hmm. like excellent condition. And it had wood paneling, like that 1980s wood paneling. I'd see, I love that stuff. So I'm seeing <laughs> it. I'm watching the car come up. Like I'm already feeling all sorts of like warm and gooey nostalgia because I like the, like, you know, it brings back all of these like visual memories. And the car pulls up and it's unseasonably warm. The week before, it was bitter cold in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. And then it was 50 degrees. It was 50 degrees. I'm sitting out there. The car is driving up and then it stops. It stops right in front of me. Window rolled down. So I stand up and I walk over to it. And it's an old timer. The guy had like a white beard and he had white hair and he had it tied back into a ponytail. And he had kind of like a big belly. We're coming out of the Christmas time uh, season. And I'm thinking, I'm like, this is what the guy who is the department store Santa Claus looks like when the other 11 months out of the year. Like, that's just like kind of what he looked like. So I walk over to him and he looks at me and I look at him and he says this, this is, this is verbatim. He says, are you lost as well? Like, I mean, that's a real, and he said it like, I mean, it's, it's obvious to me that like, you know, he's being funny. But I don't know what, like, he's being funny about. Like, that's a really deep question, right? Like, are you lost as well, brother? And it's like, but then also, we're in the middle of nowhere. Are you lost as well? Could be all sorts of things. Uh So I look at him. And I go, nah, I know exactly where I am. 
<laughs> you know, I'm kind of feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling big in my britches right about that moment. And so he kind of nods his head. He's like, okay. And he says this to me. And it's funny because you guys are in Kansas. He says to me, well, are we in Dallas? <laughs> and I'm like, Texas or Pennsylvania? Because there's a Dallas, Pennsylvania. Right. And he's like, Texas, of course. And I look at him and I say to him, I'm like, I think you must have taken a wrong turn somewhere around Missouri. <laughs> like we're having this code, this whole conversation is like unfolding. And so he nods his head. He's like, okay. And this like, this is literally how it's happening. Uh-huh. And I'm, and I'm, I'm watching this unfold from like outside of myself. I'm like, this is a crazy interaction. And then he says to me, he's like, well, if I continue down this road, will this, will this road take me out? Like, will I, will, is it, is it a dead end? I'm like, oh no, 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 definitely. You keep on going. And I start describing where the road's going to be. I'm like, it's going to dead end and left and right. And he's like, whoa, 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 stop. If you tell me where to go, I'm not going to be lost anymore. I'm like, okay, all right. I'm just kind of nodding my head. I don't know where this is going. And then he says to me, he's like, by the way, my name is Mike. Wow. And I'm like, I'm Mike as well. And then he says to me, well, I'm Mike one. What the fuck? So he says, I'm Mike one. And so my last name's Mike Juan. And I've always gone like the, the name Juan beckons nicknames. And I've always yeah. been a, a, I've always had nicknames throughout my, my life. And, and Mike one is one of the nicknames, which I've carried. So I look at him and I'm like, no, I'm Mike one. And he stares at me. He winks. And then he drives off. <laughs> And so, like, that's what this last week has been. Like, you know, this sort of like, you know, Michael Wen, and then like, you know, the great the, the great grandparents, and then this like, I don't know what that was. Like, and it could, and most likely because I like to play the most likely game, but I'm going to go as deep as I can go. Like, that could have been a really like, am I talking to a future version <laughs> exactly. of myself? Yeah, you know, versions, whatever that was, whatever that is, like that was the the setup. Of this conversation, which we're having right now. Interesting. For me, at least. And another layer I'll just roll gracefully into that is we are the ones that suggested to Emily that she watch Dark. <laughs> <laughs> I'll add one more layer. I'll add one more layer to this. Yes. please. So don't. I'm moving into this house and I'm moving into this house with um, with a woman. And the woman who I, and we haven't lived together before. And the woman who I'm moving in with, uh, when we were introduced to one another, when we were introduced to one another, she thought my name was Mike One. And she was, and we had this like kind of like joke, this clarification of like, of, of like Mike One and Mike Two. And, and, and that's just kind of like part of like our history together. And the person who introduced us, um, we were at, uh, we were at an event and, um, this guy was an elder within the Rasta community. His name is Ras Naim. He was the one who introduced us to one another. And I just so happened to be hand holding like in my hand, like this is one of the things which he makes. He makes these copper onks with, with prophecy stones, cool. you know, whatever that may be. Uh-huh. And it felt like the right thing I wanted to hold um, as we were having this conversation as I was getting ready to set up, but I wasn't thinking about the whole Mike one and all that sort of connection. So you're absolutely right. Like this is, we've got a closed loop here. Yes. Mm-hmm. We've got a closed loop in this conversation. I love it. And it seems totally apropos. 
It seems totally apropos. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, do you want to go into, start going into your post-conspiracy theory stuff or would you yes, like let's, to? Let's, let's, let's go into that okay. because this, this is that what I just said was like the preface and I okay. want to touch that, um, use that as a touchstone and what I want to use or a touch point and what I want to use it as a touch point too is just what you're mentioning. You, uh, when, when, when we started this converse, when this, this, the, the, the communication which led up to us talking right now is like, well, okay, Mike, what do you want to talk about? And as I said, I haven't been talking much lately. So it's like, there's been a lot going on both mm-hmm. like in, in my awareness, in my head, but then also in my life. And like, now I'm coming back. So what do I want to talk about? What I, what I've been noticing. And it is what, what I've been framing up as the post conspiracy theory period. And I'm going to go and define what I mean by that. And but before I get into defining that, I want to um, I want to explain like why 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 it's significant, like what 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 that means, okay. or at least what it means to me. Yeah. Um, there, there's been this from my perspective, both in my life, the people immediately in my life, the people I interact with, and then also watching culture as a whole there has been ever since the ides of march 2020 when when the uh uh, national emergency health emergency was declared like there has been really within um uh the the whole the whole world uh, has been like okay now what now what and mm. and really within the conspiracy and i'm going to use that in a very broad sense of a, a broad brush stroke but in the conspiracy um culture and the conspiracy genre there's been like a lot of like okay you know th- this is it and 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 like you know the people are going to start dropping like flies they're mm-hmm. going to start dropping like flies yep. or it's going to be like you know the the interim camps are coming they're coming if yep. you don't get your shot and all mm-hmm. this sort of stuff and then there was there was there was antifa and there was like riots and there was like this and that and like there's all this build up there's all this build up and then like nothing ever happened Right. Nothing ever happened. Like, I mean, kind of happened, but maybe not to like the to the expectation in which we were carried. And so. Two things, though, really occurred with 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 the the whole sort of sickness narrative. Like, I don't know. Am I allowed to say the C word? Like, does that sure. affect you? Like, I'm not at all. I can I, or cannot. I hardly ever post on YouTube, so I'm not worried. Okay. About so, it. all yeah. right. So like, I don't know where I'm going to go. So, so when COVID came, so this is what, what, um, what COVID gave us is, um, it's as much of a of a mikopa as mu- is as as clear of a smoking gun as you're ever going to see. It's like, okay, folks, yeah, like this is it. Like all the receipts are there. Like all the players we know about, they're like they mm-hmm. left the most concrete, like un like yeah, undeniable of trail of breadcrumbs that like it's right there and you're watching it unfold in real life and like yeah this is it this is what we're always been talking about like mm-hmm. what you've been trying to convince everyone and you've been yeah. arguing about like there's absolutely like there's no denying right now that people are either going to see it or they're not like that line has been hard line uh drawn mm-hmm. and so that's what 
to me is the post conspiracy theory period is it's like and and another way of saying it and I, and I'll touch upon this in a moment is like this is like this is the revelation like this is the book of revelations they tell us that's what's about it's the end of one age the birth of a new age I, you know that's that this when we tell you we reveal this is how it is and you saw it like all of those things like if you were ever like a really truthful to yourself conspiracy theorist you always have to hold within you like, well, it could not, it might not be accurate. I think this is the most logical uh, conclusion. It's the best conclusion I can reach based upon all the information. But if you ever believe something like 100% without 100% proof, and you could rarely ever have that, well, then you become a true believer. And a true believer is like, it doesn't matter what you're a true believer. You, you've, you've checked out a part of like your ability to be cognitive. So exactly. this is about as real as it gets. We've in this post conspiracy time, we had all this build up, and now it's like, now what? And we're in this period of now what? Um, and I want to go into that conversation um, in a moment, but I want to build, go into like the 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 conspiracy theory period before we get into the post conspiracy theory period because I think it's 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 relative or it's it's relevant. Excuse me. Um, so so I'll go and I'll start with that. Um, conspiracy theory uh, really like moved out of um, re- out of the basement. You know, that's always been the 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 pejor- pejorative, the pejorative kind of like insult is like, you know, the the basement yeah. dwelling middle age basement, man, like, you know, with yeah. all that. And there's probably an element of truth to that, because only a person who lived like that, who was so disconnected, who could zero in, could figure it out. And that was true when they were talking about in the 50s and 60s, and 70s, the 80s and the 90s it started drifting out. And you could go and see like like uh, popular culture has been preparing um, the generations to begin to see life different. But the the beginning of consp- the conspiracy theory period is the 9-11 event, 2000, 2001. Like that was when like there was something on such a large scale where it's like, okay, this is it. It's so rich, like 9-11 in terms of how to look at it and analyze it. Is this an occultic ritual? Was this done to like hide $3.2 trillion from the Pentagon? Was this, was this like, you know, was it done with like, you know, direct energy weapons? Was it nuclear? Like all of those sort of stories and everyone were talking about it. Yes. I just have a, I have a quick uh, question for you you wouldn't dial that back down to jfk where that term actually really uh was popularized conspiracy oh, well, that, theory yeah, well those in my opinion those are the two hallmark events or, or would be the jfk and the and the uh um and the 9-11 event but it wasn't until 9-11 that like conspiracy theory. Like, I mean, people may have talked about like the JFK thing and there was like, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald, but it was still kind of like, it wasn't like, I mean, James Shelby Downard, uh, James Shelby Downard, like he introduced the whole idea of like synchro mysticism in the JFK assassination in the 1970s. I believe that's when King Kill 33 came out, but that was like, that was a basement dweller. Only right. a basement dweller's reading that. 
when 9-11 hit, like loose chains was loose change was like mainstream as can be. It was YouTube. You mm-hmm. could watch like it was as normal as can be. So that's why, like, definitely there's always been conspiracy theory, but the maybe we'll call it the golden age. Like that's what 9-11, it was such an event, like without talking about what it was, right. like it, as a marker in culture, like that began something. And I'm using it as 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 like a, a touch point. It brought it out of the basement is what you're saying. It brought it out of the basement. It didn't solve anything because right. it's like, you know, the the it died out as a debate because I think everyone got tired of having it. But probably like from 2010 to 2015, like all of the arguments never advanced. Like you either thought that that um uh, uh, architects and engineers for 9-11 truth like that had legitimacy or it didn't like yeah. you right. know like that those lines th- there was no convincing like those lines were crossed so I'm looking at that as a touch point so our, our, our starting point because what what I would say would be and COVID is our end point and we're uh, and we'll get to the actual date in a moment um but there's been so much like if you there's so much has happened from 2001, let's say, to, to 2020, those 19 years. And if you go back and you look at whatever was like the hot topic of the moment, like, I mean, there was that shooting in Orlando for a while it was like huge. And there was like shooting in a thousand oaks. There's like uh, Aurora. That was a big one. But if I were to pick one, if I were to pick one to be my my like kind of in between point, I would say, and I'll explain the logic, the most important, um, the most uh, uh, agreeable, you know, it's subjective, but I think it's it's objective uh, criteria for why I'm going to say this is the point we want to use. It's Sandy Hook. It was the Sandy Hook event. Um, And the reason, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons why we could talk about Sandy Hook hook as being as being like you know the like number three and it's a little bit different it has a different fee uh flavor and feel and effect within the human psyche um and because all of this is like human psyche manipulation um it's the very fact do you remember when sandy hook happened do you know when it occurred Mm -hmm. so the date was december 14th yep 2012 and so do you remember what was what happened December seven days later? December twenty-first, twenty twelve? It was supposed to be the end of the Mayan calendar, right? It was supposed to be the end of the Mayan Mayan culture or ca- calendar. And that was going to be whatever that was going to be. Like that was another one of these, like, so we've got some pretty big buildups. We had the Y2K, like the buildup to that, nothing. Yeah, the 2012 buildup, nothing. So like that's part of like the so. What happened when Sandy Hook occurred, like if you could just imagine this as as like a regular person or even a conspiracy person. In fact, I think those lines were crossed. Everyone who was on the the left side of the fence of 9-11, as soon as they saw Sandy Hook, they're like, yeah, I know exactly what that was. And everyone who was on the right side of the fence saw, oh, my God, I know what that was. You know, but what makes that event so unique is all of culture. All of all of culture was in the slow build up to 2012, whether or not you put emotional currency Mm -hmm. into something happening at the end of the the Mayan calendar or you just thought of it as a 
as an interesting thing, which is capturing the attention of kooks because mm-hmm. it was like a big Hollywood production. Like 2012 was a movie. Like everyone was talking about 2012. There's all of this build up, yeah. build up, build up, build up. And then that event happened. And that, and that build up was very, very unique. And so because of that, I'm going to say these three are, are, um, are, 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 are touch points on a line, a timeline, a linear timeline of, of this conspiracy period, which I'm going to say began in, in September 11th, 2001, and concluded at, at COVID. And so this is, this is where I'm going with all this, because I have a point with all, with all of that. <laughs> I'm sure I'm you do. Talking, talking, <laughs> going I know did, you have a point, you Michael. Me, did you give me screen sharing capability? Uh, I don't know. I'm not even sure. As the, I uh, you did it. So I'm going to ask for that. I know that this is an audio podcast, so I'm going to go and include afterwards, uh, after our conversation, I'm going to send you, uh, I'm going to send you slides of what I'm going to make reference to now, but I, I want to pull that out for you, for us. So you guys can see what I'm talking about. Okay. Can you do it now? All right. All right. So I think I'm good. So, okay. all right. Cool. Can, and you guys see this right here? Yes. You can see yep. it's like, Mm-hmm. All right, so we've got like right here, we've got World Trade Center destruction, Pentagon dis- explosion, 9-11, conspiracy theory moves out of the basement. Um, the conspiracy theory was too big of a pill um, to swallow to swallow by po- by most. And, and 9-11 had so much like plausible deniability. Like mm-hmm. people could really, really like intellectually say like, I don't think that happened. Yeah. Because one of the things that 9-11, and this is true with all conspiracy theory, why so many people are unwilling to go there is because the implications, the implications are right. if that, if that's a lie, yeah. what else is a lie? Exactly. And then what can I stand on? That's a big, big big pill to swallow oh yeah so okay so that's and that's just like just describing the nature of being human and mm-hmm. this is like having an empathy and compassion for all human beings so okay now we got Sa- sandy hook 20 2014 this what it happens time to the mayan calendar um and then we've got covid so covid i'm going to give you the possibilities of our date markers um i'm going to give us um three different possibilities we've got October 18th, 2019. And that was when the, uh, I forget what it's called, the event, the Johns Hopkins event um, occurred. Do you know what I'm referring to? Yeah. The, uh, 201. Right, when that occurred. Where is it? Right here. Event um, 201. Event 201. Yeah. So we could say that was when COVID began. We could also say March 15th. That is when the Ides of March, and that's when it mm-hmm. became um, it became a, a national emergency. That's a marker. Or what we could do is use um, is use the uh, uh, the first zero uh, one zero one COVID uh, patient or whatever word they're going to go and use that. So the reason why I'm bringing that out is because when we go and we look at these dates on a linear timeline and we see the number of days that occurred from September 11th to Sandy Hook, and then the number of days to to from Sandy Hook to COVID. And, mm-hmm. I, and I'll tell you why it's it works where, where I'm going with this works with all three of those COVID dates, but it's the bullseye's bullseye on December 1st. This is exactly on the golden ratio. 
The oh, rollout wow. between these dates is exactly the golden ratio. So I'm going to go in and demonstrate why that's true. And then we're going to go and lean in a little bit as to why that's significant. Okay. So you can see right here, I've got like the day counter. Mm-hmm. It's 4,112 days from, from 9-11 to Sandy Hook. And then it's 2,543 days from Sandy Hook to COVID. Gotcha. And so we see right here, December 1, symptoms of the index case or patient zero begin December 1 um, at the Hunan uh, Seafood Wholesale Market. Like that's the that's Wikipedia history. So you take that like I, I, I just use Wikipedia because it's a great cultural touch point. Yeah, yeah. So all right. So here's our math. So um, you go and you divide, we look at this, and, and I'll tell you what the golden ratio is for those who don't know what that is yet, but we're going to go in and, and we're going to back into it. All I did was I divided that first number, 2543 by 4112, and it comes to dot six one eight four three three eight five blah, blah, blah. So <clears throat> there's this thing called the golden ratio. It's also known as phi. And it's a, it's a, it's a mathematical ratio in the similar way. Most people know pi P I I'm saying phi P H I, but there are constants which are used for mathematical purposes. Pi is used for a circle or a closed loop and phi is typically used for an expansion. But what we have right here is the golden ratio, the actual phi like pi, which is 3.14 to infinity the golden ratio is the same way. And the golden ratio is, um, it's both one point or zero point, but the numbers after the point are the same, which are six one eight oh three three nine. So we've got this relationship of dates between Sandy Hook to COVID and 9-11 to Sandy Hook. It is to like the 10,000th the power of lining up exactly to the golden ratio. Wow. So you're like, okay, well, 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 why do I care? Why do I care about this, Mike? All right. So let's go look at the golden ratio. So the golden ratio, like this has been a thing if it's new to you. Like if you know about this, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's a big deal. So if it, if if it's new to you, if it's new to you, so the golden ratio has been talked about and used for as long as they've been telling us there's been civilization. And the golden ratio is this mathematical formula that can be expressed in physical ways, which is um, which is both the building block of the universe um, down to like what appears to us as human beings to be like beauty and harmony. So I'll give you a couple of different things. So this is from like the golden ratio uh, website. Life from the proportions of the DNA spiral to those that divine the human face, golden ratio. Beauty, including human perceptions of beauty in the human face and in aesthetics of harmony and innate natural appear in any of the design arts from ancient architecture to modern day logos, golden ratio. Mathematics, including many ways that it can be derived, golden ratio. Geometry, golden ratio. Cosmology and physics, golden ratio. Financial market pricing, gaming strategy, golden ratio. Golden ratio is like everywhere which we see, which we see throughout our natural world. So now what we go and see, so we're going to bring this back to like, what does this have to do about this, 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 this age 
this age of, of conspiracy theory. We can see that, I mean, I we can look at for conspiracy theory from so many different ways, but the way we're looking at it from the actual events and the dates they occurred, it rolled out on the same fundamental mathematical building block. And so if for those of us who want to subscribe to like simulation theory, like there's your algorithm, like whatever mm. the gold ratio is, that could be it. And those who want to go of us who want to subscribe to this being like, you know, a divine sort of expression, like this is the hallmark of the divine, whatever it is, this exists within our experiential reality, our conspiracy, this, 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 initiation which we all went through like it is built upon that foundational level and so i'm gonna i'm gonna pause in a moment where uh, after i pose the this question because i want to hear what your thoughts are and we'll see where this goes but this lends itself to this now what where are we now because you're, uh, when we're, you're going to go and look at what I just said, and if you could, if you can grasp the significance of what that was, it's either that the hand. I'll give you three choices. So I'll give you three options. Maybe there are more, but I'm limited to three for our multiple choice discussion. <laughs> so either that the um, that the hands that control reality from behind the scene are like you know this is how they do it. Like they line, they understand the natural workings of this of this reality, and they're going to do their magic based upon it so it lines in on that and they sew in their storyline in there that's mm -hmm. a good possibility yeah this is this is option number two but maybe it's actually one a the hands that control all of our reality that dictate all of this sort of stuff they're actually our friends and they're doing it in such a way so that we can figure it out and at the end of the day none of the shit really matters and this is the way that we all <laughs> learn it you know that's a possibility i'll go with that or maybe this is just natural. This happened, like, however these events happened. And maybe not all of them, none of them were conspiracies. Maybe they were just unique events that just happened in life. And they just happened to unfold on the flavor of the golden ratio for, and all of the other truths are there as well. No matter what, it happened. And so where we are, like, particularly, like, me and you and all the people who've been kind of, like, following along for this past 20 years, and we're finding ourselves in this, like, now what position, you know, this this is where I want to begin our conversation. Like, now what? Like, all of that's been done. All of the proof is out there. Now what do we do? do you have so that'll be my first call. <laughs> do you have something to launch into, or otherwise I will? Otherwise I will. I'm echoing. I'm echoing. Trippy. Uh, well, I, I will defer to you because <laughs> I'm still <laughs> I'm still formulating digesting my all of that. Well, as far as the three options are concerned, I think the conspiratorial side w of me would uh, react to number one being the case where there's a certain rhythm to nature. There's a certain uh, sky clock that we can uh, tack events to and that have, you know, uh, there's vortexes of energy that vortices, I guess would be the, pro, the, the plural of that. Vortai? Is vortai, vortai? God, I want to, I want to use it. Vortai <laughs> sounds like the ambassador to the Andromeda galaxy. <laughs> I am Vortai. <laughs> but I like it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yes. And so, that, that, that would mean these people in positions of power uh, would be taking advantage of these uh, 
these moments in time to to utilize them for to their advantage. But uh, as far as number three, I don't think number two is on the table for me at least. Number three is that they happen naturally, which I. I feel maybe more accurate in a sense because sometimes I really have a hard time thinking that these higher ups have the wherewithal to coordinate and choreograph all of this stuff as, as, as uh, gracefully as they do. I mean, gracefully, maybe it's not the right word for that. So maybe it's more just, they're just as subject to the rhythms of the universe and to these vortices or vorti of, of energies and, and uh, frequencies uh, as the rest of the people who walk around being oblivious to the, the rhythms of the universe and the fact that they are, they co-create reality uh, just as much as anybody else does. Um, so I'm between the two extremes on that one. What's your take? Well, I think people are dropping like flies, and I think there's so much cognitive dissonance with people who... Uh, kind of just go along to get along that they're not really wanting to connect the jab with people dying and then the number and the amounts of people that are dying I think are being suppressed so I think that there is uh, there's probably a lot more death that's happening people are having all different types of health issues and they just don't want, it's the same cognitive dissonance as with 9-11 where they just don't want to put the pieces together because then it makes them complicit in this lie. It makes them have to take responsibility for the fact that they urged family members or they urged themselves to go out and get the jab. So I think there's an element there that's interesting and, and kind of needs to be addressed. Uh, I don't think that this is natural. I don't think that it is part of some natural cycle that's happening. Where I get confused is why don't they just fucking kill everybody? <laughs> like, why don't they just go, you know, if, if these powers are so, these predators are so powerful, why don't they just go through a town and just blow everybody away. Why well, don't they set off a, a nuke? Because that would just be one blast of energy to order to continually harvest energy. You have to be alive and creating it. Right. But I think it really, that really goes down to intent. Like what is the intention here? Is this to keep people in a fear state, to keep people in control, to keep them in this ant farm, you know, what what is the end goal? And I think that really kind of feeds into what your um, your thoughts are. Is okay. What's next? Well, what's now? Like what what the fuck is happening <laughs> right now? Like what's the next step? I still see people wearing masks. They're still advertising jabs. They're still you know look at what's going on in China. There's a lot of. Uh, the control mechanism that is more uh, deeply entrenched and has been bolstered by all of these events. So I think I love the way that you put these pins in these three specific events because in some regard, I think these three specific events were used to uh, create and develop the Patriot Act, 
to, you know, really focus on gun control with Sandy Hook, like guns bad, you know, lone gunmen. It it feeds into this idea of these predators having more control over society and the culture. And so I just don't understand the slow slog. It seems like if they wanted us all gone, they have every capability, they have the military, they have every capability possible to turn us into a China. So I don't think it's about money. They've already got all the fucking money they need. That gets into different karmic territory, though think right but if they don't believe in karma so what <laughs> it doesn't it's, it's there whether you believe it or not anyway sorry michael what's so, so I'll, I'll tell you it, it was a little bit of a rhetoric like when i asked that uh i i at least to myself i'm being rhetorical sure sure um because there's always good like nothing ever changes is kind of what like i mean certainly to your point like there's like slow turning of a boat and things are always changing mm-hmm. so along those lines like you know it's changing but like on the bigger picture like nothing ever changes there's always a boogeyman in the future mm-hmm. there's always like something to be like okay well <laughs> when that ha- when that yeah. happens and so when i ask what next I'm asking that to our community and who's our community. The people who've been like on this boat for a while, you know, we've been on the lifeboat for a while. And so it's like, like it's been done. Like they, they, like, this is it. Like you're either like the people are going to see it or not. And whether Mm -hmm. or not like you see it, that, that this is really how the world works. Like there is an entire, there is an entire, uh, uh, program that's been planned out for 200 years which exactly. everyone's just like stepping in like the qr codes and all of that that's all friggin' true the the what next is this and this is where i want to go with like what to me what conspiracy theory is and then we're going to get a little bit deeper as to like maybe even the nature of reality okay can we go there absolutely please okay. do all right yeah. so <laughs> so at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the answer to the question is like, well, whatever story you tell yourself, whatever story you internalize, and this is just how human beings work. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter whether the story is true or not. Like that becomes your life. I told you a story of like three things. I watched a friggin' TV show. I bought a lease and I talked to a kook and I tied it into this mystical sort of thing. <laughs> and it's like, like, I'm not like saying... Whatever Mike chose to go and put his value on, like, guess what? Like, you know, that confirmed or like, you know, that was it. That's how we work. And that's the nature of experience or the nature of the human experience, at least. With So if we go and we look at conspiracy theory from like the most general sense, like not the sense in terms of like, you know, getting to the bottom of it, but mm-hmm. more so of like, what is it? All conspiracy theory is is a reframing of narratives of a whole bunch of stuff that like really don't affect you so much. Like maybe in the future, now that you have a point of reference, but like it changes the way you see reality. And every single person who's gone through that initiation 
who was like, I once believed this is how the world worked. They found out all this other shit. Like the world doesn't work that way. Like there's there's a small group of people who are raised by parents who are like, listen, I'm going to tell you from the get-go, son, this is how the world works. So that person never went through it. But for like the regular folk, like you go through that. When that change happened, you changed. And what changed was your inner world. Everything you saw, every, and this is like the most general way, like your life changed, the decisions you made, like, you know, this is what I'm going to do. Like it changes life. It changes your inner world. And this is because what conspiracy theory is, like this period of conspiracy theory is a consciousness exercise. Because all conspiracy is, is it is a reframing of one's inner world. And the inner world is all that matters. It is the most, it is the most foundational thing for all of this. And I, and I want to go a little bit deeper into like how I'm going to, you know, the framework or the model I'll use for the nature of reality. But, but to look at this time period, like we, we, if we can begin by looking at it as an initiation, every single person who's gone through it, every single person who has like gone down a thousand different rabbit holes and is like, you know, uh, looked at the, 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 the ambassador from, from the Pleiades or like, you know, who's gone and looked at every possibility of all of these things we would never know would be factual or actual or not. Like, you know, those are exercises of breaking down and building up new ways of your inner world. So, all right, why does that matter? Because our experiential reality as a human being is like, this is how it works. You got an inner world. Your inner world is made up primarily of definitions and meanings. Like it's like comes in from all sorts of different things. And then there's an outer world. And then the two are linked mm -hmm. and things happen and you interpret it and, and you go and, and, and you make choices because of it. And like things happen. There's an element un unexplainable about this, but, but so like when we realize like that's the nature of, hu of the human experience, when I say that I'm not defining where we're having the experience, I'll go and say, and, and so let me go and define these three things. And I'm going to pause for a moment and ask for, and give you opportunity to reflect or, or to clarify sure i'm going to define these are my the 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 model i'm going to go and use so we have what i'm going to call baseline reality mm -hmm. which is in the most general sense it's the natural world before it's named okay as soon as we begin naming it we begin creating false reality Everything, every culture, every time we talk, like that's a false reality. That doesn't necessarily mean it's false reality is bad. It just means it's not real. The moment you call a tree a tree, you've, you know, that's, that's just what it is. It's like the, uh, the mo that, that's part of the human experience as well. So we've got our baseline reality, which has no meaning whatsoever. We've got the false reality and the most strongest false reality, which we're all sharing together is called culture. Mm -hmm. that's the biggest false reality yeah. and then there is what where does the baseline reality exist that's the greater mystery i don't know that's outside of my pay that you know i can't answer that i don't know that answer right. but what i and i and in some ways I, I don't even think it's a worthy conversation what i think is worthy is understanding how we live and living in this reality and like because that's all we have to do mm -hmm. or deal with so i'm going to loop this back before i pause which is 
if that is the case, if that's where we're having this experience and we are, our experience is ultimately dictated by this dance between our inner world and outer world and our inner world is formed by definitions. We just went through collectively this 20 year training program of this is how this is how we reframe consciousness. It's this simple. It is this simple that 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 when you go and you begin to change and understand how your definitions occur, like this is where life be- begins to change. Now, I said I was going to pause. It's, I'm sorry. I spoke. I spoke out of turn. I'm going to say one more go thing before it. I do. Um, so what now? So the reason why that is a relative question, the reason why that is not a rhetorical question is because uh, in this false reality, there is setting up waiting for every single person, all of us, like if, if, if you know, if you're no longer, if you just continue to point and say like, see, look, this is more of that. This is mm-hmm. more of the, the cabal. This mm-hmm. is more of that. Like, it's just going to, the ship's just going to keep on going down the path. Right. And just you said, like, you know, the, the, the if they wanted us dead, they'd be dead. You're not mm-hmm. dead. They want, you know, for whatever reason we're here. So that's going to happen. So that, that, that forces us to realize the paradox we are in, which is if we are to actually have a different type of experiential reality, and that's what I'm talking about, the what's next. If we really want to have something outside of the false reality in which we have been born into, we have to come to the realization of the paradox, which is this. Our inner worlds are created by the world we are born into. So how do we create a new reality which has not been formed by the false reality which we've been born into? And that's our paradoxical question and our our paradoxical position. And that is like, okay, what do we do now? How do we go and recognize we have a collective blind spot and not allow this blind spot to allow this opportunity during that 20-year period to just be like a blip on the screen and then like 20 years later you know they're talking about this just in the same way they were talking about november 23rd 1963 right well just to give you a little bit of context i was born in the paradox my my father was a professional wrestler so my my entire reality when I was a little girl was there's consensus reality that all of these people are agreeing upon. And then there's what you know, which is that all of that that they're agreeing upon is not real. So Hunter, I would say that puts you in the most like you've got some of the clearest eyes that and like what wow like I I could dive in deep to that wow okay <laughs> so that is a really good understanding to know that you came up like let me just I'm gonna assume this is gonna be true two things one is you're like yeah most people fall for a lot of bullshit you realize that from a really early age and then two there's like an element of toughness right like professional wrestling like embodies toughness yeah, absolutely like, you know? and so you were you, that would your your inner world would have been built with those qualities like from the get go and that's a in my opinion, an immensely admirable um, quality. The secret keeper. I was the secret keeper because I was never allowed to tell the truth. When kids at school would say, is wrestling real? I had to go along with the lie and say, yeah, of course it's real. 
so there's that one side of my family. The other side of my family is my grandfather uh, was one of was an electrical engineer who helped start the NSA. So from the time I was a child, I was told about propaganda and MK Ultra and the CIA. And will, will you will you say tell me again what his position was more he slowly? Was, he was, he was electri- a, an electrical engineer. He was an electrical engineer. He was a thirty first degree Mason and helped start the NSA before it was the National Security Agency. It was the National Security Alliance. So I came from a background of people wow. who were secret keepers, who knew kind of what was going on behind the velvet curtain. So as I have grown up and I've observed these events, it's been so interesting to observe other people. I went to 13 different schools. I was always the new kid. So I've always had kind of a 30,000 foot view on the world I could see these things happening before they happen and it's there's a there's a mythology of someone who uh sees the truth but isn't believed and that's the best narrative for my life is that I would witness these things and say hey don't you see what's fucking going on and everyone's just got the blinders on like because it it disturbs too much of your uh the story you've been told as a child to be able to pull that veneer back and i think that that's the thing that drew me to chris and has been the glue that kept us together throughout this whole covid insanity because he started to see all of it too. And he was like, wait, none of this shit makes sense. And I think that that's part of uh, this seventh sense that I have been afforded. Um, but in some ways, it isol- it's a very isolating position to be in. Can I, can I, can I comment back on that? Absolutely. Please do. All right. All right. So, so 100% um correct in terms of like that isolation um feeling uh looking at, at at people from an adult perspective you know anyone who's like an adult that was had an upbringing of immense isolation they often have the best capability to go and see things um, more clearly. Like that's yeah. kind of like in the way we were joking about the guy who was in the basement, he was highly isolated and isolation. Like it's a, it's a, it's a, a dual edged sword. Like, you know, you're able to, because of the isolation, you're able to see things more clearly, but then like, it's, it's a hard thing to, to shoulder. And then also when you want to go and share, like, you know, you're the, you're, you're, you're the, the outsider. Um, but we're also, I want to go back to this nature of, of inner world and defining that. So when you were saying it was too, we were saying it's too hard of a, of a pill for people to swallow, to think, you know, pardon the pun, um, to a lot of these implications, like the inner world works that way. Mm-hmm. The inner world is like layer upon layer, beginning from childhood, even like DNA and all of these sort of things. And so we, when you... We, 
when humanity is raised in a very, very um, occulted false reality, that's what our culture is like, you know, it's it's there's no there's no recognition of the fact that it's all a mystery. Like there are other like cultures which are still false realities, but there's a full recognition that we don't know where we are, what this is. Right. And there's mythologies around that. But there's an understanding. We have a culture which is constantly telling people the gaslighted lie yeah. that, oh, yeah, we know what's going on. This is it. You're on a rock. It's space, like yep. solar system. Right. And like, so there's, don't just trust us, just trust us. And so what happens is when that inner world is built upon such a weak, on such a weak platform, and, and someone knows that inside, when, when they hear people beginning to go and poke holes at any of these uh, like secondary or thirdary levels of the inner world, but like deep in the foundation of their understanding of reality, like that's terrifying because there's a deeper understanding. Like, I don't know how deep it goes, but I know if I keep doing what they tell me, well, I don't like at least, you know, I don't have to face that. And so to me, I think it's important to understand that as to the what's next question is to understand like how we move through this is understanding how we are. And that's part of how we are. And that's a, a really, really important piece of the puzzle or part or piece of the understanding of of what's going on. And the real gift, I also think, is of of seeing what's what's going on and, and having that clarity is as this 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 next stage, this next portion of life, you know, we're, we're stepping in together. Um, a lot of those who are on the outside, like, you know, we're seeing we're seeing the inverse. We're seeing the reciprocal of that. Suddenly, we've all seen this over the past year and a half is like like more and more people are like, OK, let me hear what you got to say. Uh, before you leave, maybe tell our listeners where they can find you and your lovely work on the Internet. Uh, Susquehanna Alchemy is the moniker I have used. So if you were to ever do a search on Susquehanna Alchemy, the most amount of content, um, is on YouTube. In my opinion, like probably like two years ago, uh, really the beginning of COVID, I put out a lot of really, really good stuff. Hijacking reality. That is one there. I think I still have the original Susquehanna mystery presentations, um, uh, I put out really good presentations with, uh, and what I mean by that, not only are they thought provoking, but I give good visuals. I, um, I'll, I'll bring up a lot of ideas which might sound um, far fetched, but when I show you the receipts, like you know, you see the receipts, so that's a good place to go. Okay. Instagram, uh, Susquehanna Alchemy. But the truth of the matter is, I ha I took the year off. I took 2022 off. Um, I'm still figuring out what, how I want to reintroduce myself because I, I walking that line of, of being on the, being on the, the, the AI machine, like I'm still not, I'm still not solid within myself on what that looks like. So sure. that is, I don't put out a lot of things anymore. Mm -hmm. And that'll probably change, though, how I will put it out. I'm not certain, but it would be definitely like in a different way and more thoughtful. Okay. But that being said, anyone who wants to uh, uh, one who's interested in Starboard or two, like any sort of one on one sessions, one of the things which I do is 
Um, I reframe people's stories and not necessarily for the sake of like, this is your story. Mm -hmm. Mike knows the answer. Like I'm going to go and take everything that I I've got a pretty in-depth intake form where I ask all sorts of questions and I'll look at someone's chart and then we'll have a conversation. And what I think I do very well is I'm able to see patterns which a lot of people don't and i'm able to reframe them in different ways and so those sessions uh i took that year off as well i'm going to begin doing that um i'll give you my email and right now that's probably the best way if anyone's interested in having that done they can contact me and i'll tell them all the details what it costs and like all that sort of stuff and and uh i'm i've got an open book for 2023 so now's a good time to go and sign up Cool. Well, we'll put that in the episode notes too. I love it. And I feel honored since you haven't done much of this throughout this year that you chose to to do this with us. So very much honored. Thank you so much for coming on. Wonderful to meet you. I've been following you, I think ever since maybe was the first podcast that you really went on THC. Okay. Uh, so so I've been, been a while. That, yeah, yeah. that was that. <laughs> and I was impressed then, and I've been following you ever since. So it's it's great to finally be able to speak with you and interact with you. So oh, this this was a lot of fun. Thank yeah. you for that. This this was uh, I love the I love the opportunity to go and like talk and to meet new people and to hear your feedback and your thoughts. And th- this was a great time on my end as well. So thank Fantastic. you. Fantastic. And you know, and and spending our New Year's together. Yes, yes exactly. exactly. Oh, and what's the pug's name? what's the pug's name (laughs) christy what's the pug's name chance chance Chance. i love it i i i I, i'm gonna whisper this because i want it to be outside of earshot i refer to him as stinky but that's really not cool (laughs) just between you and us and Just whoever. between me, you, and everyone who's listening. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> Chance. <laughs> All right, Michael. Have a happy new year. And uh, we will. I'll be in contact when this comes out for sure. And yes. I'll get back to you about the Twin Peaks project. All right. Fantastic. Thank All right. you so much. Take it's care, great brother. to meet you. Bye-bye. Very well. Bye. <laughs> Starting with a laugh again. Oh, always. That was awesome. Yeah. I love Michael. He's very playful and highly insightful. Yeah, I I was very impressed with his math skills. Yeah, no <laughs> connecting phi and pi and you know those three events. That's yes. that's the kind of conspiracy theory that I can really sink my teeth into. That was yeah. amazing. It makes sense that him and Emily Moyer are tight because they're. Birds of a feather, to be sure. And it would be great to rope him in on the Twin Peaks project. Man, my voice is really going. Can you stay most of this? I like it. <laughs> it's breathy. Hey, hello. <laughs> like Barry White. <laughs> so we talked about some interesting stuff in the second hour, which uh, I'm into. Like the, uh, he mentioned the starboard again, mm-hmm. and, and talking about natural astrology versus common or cultural astrology. That was super interesting. Um, The Susquehanna Mystery, Susquehanna River. Um, We talked about Kobe Bryant a little bit, touched on that, which also was super fascinating. Um, Yeah, I I would really love 
for Michael to do my chart and just get his take. Yeah, uh, my chart too, and a group chart if possible. Group, a couple chart. Yeah, like a a a a, a combination a. combo platter. No, it's it's called a. Uh, why can't I think of com- comprehensive? No, that's not it. Just a couple's chart, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, sure. Like a couple skate. <laughs> and besides that bit of of the Michael Wan episode that I played you yesterday mm-hmm. or the day before yesterday, that's really this is your introduction, right? I may have heard the the higher side chats eons ago. <laughs> I I feel like I I have heard him before it was it's it resonated with me as being familiar the the kobe bryant thing i think on a road trip Mm. back from texas i listened to it um that i think that was kind of my entree if if i'm correct about that yeah there's something that i'm really drawn to uh, whatever animates michael wan i'm i'm compelled by like as I said, he seems like a very playful, curious soul, and that resonates with me. I think when you're exploring this territory, which can tend into dark, the dark woods, um, it's easy to become sort of embittered or heavy or, you know, it just can weigh on you after a while. But he keeps it light and and frolicky and... You know, there's a sense of wonder about it, and that's the way that I come to it. Yeah, I think that was one of the things I was trying to touch upon is that when you are born kind of out of consensus reality and you, you know, get a sense of how indoctrinated people are, it's extremely easy to approach life with a sense of egotism and maybe even a bit of narcissism you know like oh I've got this all figured out like I know what the fuck is going on and I I think that's a dangerous place to live because it is is extremely isolating to be in that headspace absolutely and so to you know be able to understand how important it is to be humble and I would say that's been the greatest gift of the whole COVID situation is that it it's moved away from the JFK assassination where there was this collective trauma that happened in the United States and an innocence that was lost, you know, from every angle and every aspect of what people call reality. And I think that in this situation, the stakes were so high that it's easy to get really, um, like really fanatical about it and, and kind of lose perspective about your point of view when you are kind of against (laughs) the jab and against all of that shit and, and against going down that, that road. And so, you know, some people I really, really love and really care about have been jabbed. Uh, my father, my uh, best friend, you know, people that I really, that 
our kids, you know, the, these people are very close to me and I really care about them and I don't want anything bad to happen with their health. And so I think that has humbled me because it's not just like, oh, that person over there that I don't know that I'm not really um, involved with and and it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things if they get hurt. These are people that are in my sphere that I love. And so I think that's been the humbling part is just kind of seeing all of this and saying, you know, I want to intend the, the health of this planet. I want to intend the health of the inhabitants of this planet. I don't want to wish ill on anyone, even that little worm Fauci. Like I, I don't want to perpetuate this negative energy that is easy to get swirled into because I think that's a poison and I don't want to buy into that poison. And what he was saying about baseline reality and fake reality, a false reality. I think, um, yeah, he did sense that I was a little triggered by that because I don't think, I understood what he meant, but sometimes semantics, I mean, often semantics are very important depending on what word you use to describe something. But I think there's a difference between what he describes as false reality. There's many people who walk through life very unconsciously and they're not very self-reflective and they don't spend a whole lot of time going inward and, and analyzing and going into what their motivations are for their behavior or where their thought processes may stem from or begin with and why they have taken the direction that they have gone, whether that be from some outside stimulus or from some experience that they had in their life that drastically changed the way that they thought or whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, so I think when you're existing in that sort of somnambulistic state, it's easy to build a false reality because it's not really based on much, uh, much of any something of any depth or much depth or well-founded maybe might be a better way of putting it. But there's also another version of that reality for people who maybe are more self-aware and do are, are very uh, familiar with what their motivations are for their actions and their thoughts. And they are, they've spent a lot of time mapping their, the way that they think and what sets them off and what doesn't and what their proclivities are and why they react to certain things in certain ways. And, you know, they've just mapped their minds more. So I wouldn't say that that is necessarily a false reality. And that's where I kind of, that's why I said that. Uh, It doesn't mean that it's a, it's a reality that uh, it has an inherent meaning in and of itself, but it comes from a different place than the somnambulistic reality. Um, there's, it's not completely false because it has some sort of weight and intention behind it. And the person who is manifesting that kind of thought um, is, you know, there's just more awareness to it. So, it's entered into in a much more conscious way than just sort of sort of chain reaction of knee jerks uh, that uh, inspire many people to to react and parrot and say the things that they do on a day to day basis. But when you question why they do that, they might not even be able to tell you why, how that chain reaction of knee jerks started. 
Does that make any sense? Well, that's why I used the term hierarchy of reality. Sure. Because there, for me, there is a, a absolute truth with a big T and then there's a, which is an objective truth. And then there's a, and then there's a subjective truth and where the hierarchy of reality falls in that is that it's the top tier of reality is the absolute truth, the objective truth. And then as you kind of trickle down from there, then we get into consensus reality, which is the the reality that w- that is agreed upon, and then you trickle down from that, and there's the subjective reality, which is my reality, your reality, the reality of the people that are in our sphere, and how those people perceive the world. So I think it's really contingent on what your... Uh, what you're trying to achieve. Are you trying to stay in your subjective reality because that's a safe egg and a safe bubble to live in? Or are you trying to penetrate that membrane and reach that hierarchy, reach that that objective reality? And I think that's ultimately, as a human, I think that really should be the goal is, I think that's where empathy comes in, is that... I have one perspective, but can I raise my frequency to this level where I can perceive the universe, where I can perceive the earth, where I can perceive other people's reality and I cannot judge that reality? So I think that's the thing that we're trying to do um, just in our own ecosystem is not look at other people as the other and not say, well, my reality is real and you're living in a false reality or your reality is bullshit because it doesn't, it doesn't resonate with me. And it's easy to do. I mean, I catch myself being a sidist, meaning that's just a term that I just came up with, but thinking that there are, sorry, Thinking that there are uh, that there are sides in the sense that um, you know this group of people is this and this group of people is that, even though that group of people may very very well define themselves as something. Uh, that's their illusion if they want to live in that. But I would like to think that that isn't the case. And so, because the reason is because I think a lot of this social engineering. Um, not only to, you know, disseminate fear and harvest whatever can be gotten from that, but is also to subdivide us uh, in such a way that we don't even see unity or coming together as a possibility. And I think one of the ways of uh, stopping that process before it starts is language. Um, and being conscious of how we put things. So I try not to say things like normies or libtards or globetards or anything like that, because that kind of language says I am superior. These other people are inferior and I'm drawing a very definitive boundary between those two things. Or defining someone by their uh, sexual preference or defining someone by their race. Yeah. Because what you're saying is this is the most, 
um, intrinsic, most important part of this person is this thing. And so because they are gay or they are heterosexual or they are a man or they are a woman, that means that they fit into this box and they fit into this, this, uh, taxonomy and this this definition and so that means they are an other and I think that's a really really skillful way to fragment the human experience and I think that's why the like identity politics is such an important and intrinsic um, part of whatever predatorial agenda there is because we can look at someone and say, oh, well, if you are gay, that means you're woke. That means you believe this. That means that you are okay with um, minor attracted <laughs> people now. Because like, we've put all of, those, all of these categories in one bucket together. And I think that's the thing that's so fucking dangerous. And I don't buy into it. And I don't think anyone else should. And when you go out into the world and you start to engage with people and you catch yourself doing that, it's really important to have that observation and say, oh, I'm doing this. I look at this person with a shaved head or weird hair and I'm making all these assumptions about them based on how they're dressed or how they look that could be completely erroneous. Yeah. And don't buy their definitions of themselves either. That's their problem. How they define themselves is one thing. You can't have any control of that, but you can control how you perceive that person. So even though they might have green hair and a Black Lives Matter shirt and a rainbow necklace or whatever, that doesn't mean that you have to sum them up into those categories just because they do. You don't have to fall under the same spell that they've fallen under. Um, and that could apply to any side about right. any ideology or any category is what I'm talking about. Right. And Same. that spell doesn't necessarily mean that they have co-signed off on all of those things. That that can be virtue signaling. That can be they like rainbows. or You know what I mean? We can't assume well, anything. Virtues, virtue, sig- virtue signaling is sort of co-signing i think right but maybe not maybe it's just the going along to get along thing maybe maybe it's just this is what i think i'm supposed to do then that's just co-signing on something different yeah yeah different different co-signing on something different god that mixed with my the way my voice sounds i could i could run a bait shop right now (laughs) <laughs> Did I just categorize somebody there? That sells that sells esoteric books. Though. Do I sound and, working class? <laughs> that says sells esoteric books in the back with there you go. along with worms. And a bathhouse <laughs> for gay black Mimes. Mimes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. we could we could go all night with we this. Could. We could just and on. We got the fuel of fire, but we got pizza to eat and kids to hang out with. We've got a New Year's Eve to celebrate. So that's right. The Gregorian calendar. Calendar. It's like what was that strange pronunciation? We chaos. Chaos. What was that? In? It was the guy, the guy in the. In the, are you being served? 
The maintenance man. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The maintenance man whose whose makeup is supposed to be making him much older than he actually is. But he looks like he's in disguise. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, thank any you all who. so much for listening. I know you enjoyed it because it was Michael Wan, and he's very entertaining and has such a fantastic way of connecting the dots. And we will definitely have him on again, at least for one astrological episode, but I foresee many more conversations in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) If you would uh, like to get a hold of us to recommend guests, praises, criticisms, casserole recipes, we seriously are thinking about putting out a book. Um, But it will only have one recipe in it, and that's my tuna casserole recipe. That'll be the first page. (laughs) Otherwise, why would we ask other people? It'll just be one a one page book. (laughs) That would be that would be more of a pamphlet than a book. Exactly, (laughs) a a, uh, leaflet. (laughs) Yeah, what are those little religious? Rectangular, rectangular, rectangular. (laughs) My God, my brain is out of it. They're they're tracts. What are they called? There's a name. They're usually yellow, black, and white. You know, have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? Often they were left on toilets. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you don't know what they're called. Toilet protector. No, you don't know what they're called. <laughs> anyway, the Melt Podcast at protonmail.com or Hunter Hyphen Muse at protonmail.com. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Many, uh, many, though, many blessings for 2023 for all of us. Although it would already be 2023 by the time this comes out. And we can still bless people. Of course we can. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening. It's been a fantastic 2022. Yes. Thank you all for your support. Yes. And uh, we're just going to keep getting bigger and better this next year. I have high hopes. So take the ride. Jump on board. Yeah. And even if we don't get bigger, we're always going to get better. Well, bigger doesn't necessarily mean likes or followers or anything like that. Yeah. Bigger energy-wise. Yes. Exactly. All right. Much love to you all. All right. We will talk to you soon. Stay tuned. Yeah. Ta-ta. To hear the full-length version of this episode... Get access to exclusive and early episodes and participate in our monthly Zoom meetups for as little as $3 per month. Just click the Patreon link in the episode notes or visit patreon.com slash themeltpodcast. Contributing financially will help to make this podcast my full-time gig that I can devote more time to and allow me to create more content. Other ways of contributing would be giving us a favorable review or rating wherever you get your podcasts, subscribing to us on YouTube, spreading the word wherever you and your tribe congregate, or just by sending us your positive thoughts and intentions. In a quantumly intertwined and holographic multiverse, these also go a long way. Thank you.